We brought you damn good beer, and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Uh, Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the United States and straight to your door. They also recently shipped a 15,000-pound order of meat to Peru. So not just inside the United States. Wherever you are, you can get your hands on this very, very, very good beef. Um, they call their beef the blue collar Wagyu. Uh, why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu frank without any fillers, two jerky flavors, uh, original and sweet and spicy, plus their Hamburger One Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Uh, not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. These guys take the registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows and give you that very high prime product uh, that we all know and love. Uh, you can head to uh, hasslecattlecompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L cattlecompany.com. Use the promo code DMBR10 uh, for 10% off your order. That's DMBR10 for 10% oh, off any what order over $200 and receive free shipping. Check what it out. I, I promise you will not be disappointed. Henry just cracked me up, you know. <laughs> I saw I, I saw Dre smile, and so then I started uh, smiling, and he started smiling yeah. more. Then Justin oh. turned around, and he was talking about his dog earlier. So I was like, "Well, I wonder if that dog is starting oh, to bark boy. because the garbage guy's there." <laughs> and then once your mind goes down that route, reading about the beef gets a little bit tougher. Oh, that was outstanding. Um, that was a good we time. are here, draft thought. <laughs> the the usual cast of characters. Jake's back. And um, we're here to talk some defensive back seven. That'll be somewhat exciting. But uh, what's been much more exciting has been, you know, that that we I, I think we're gaining more and more clarity. It seems like Mac Jones is an absolute lock at this point. Um, though I do think it's noteworthy that the front office um, and Kyle Shanahan still going to check out some pro days around the country. Um, but yeah, Mac Jones, the strong favorite we had some mocks um all around <clears throat> and i need to regroup after that so i'll leave the floor to you guys to, to start breaking down some of these mocks what stood out to you what you think is going down um and if uh this justin fields potentially being in the realm of the broncos is it just a pipe dream at this point because the other thing is sam darnold is picked up by the Panthers. And what does that really all mean um, in the greater scheme of things? I mean, as it pertains to these QBs dropping and who's going to be available in that seven, eight, nine range. There is a lot going on with all this stuff. I think the big news for the Broncos is the Sam Darnold thing. I thought before the deal went through that there was a chance Sam Darnold would go somewhere where the team would say, okay, there's one option. Let's go draft another option and then figure out what we have as we go and basically take two lottery tickets. The Panthers gave up so much 
that I don't think that that's what's happening anymore. I think that when you give up the the second rounder plus like a fourth rounder and like a future third, whatever it was, something like that, that's a lot to give up. And I think that when you make that investment, he kind of becomes the guy, especially when you have Teddy sitting right there too. I, I, I don't think they're going quarterback anymore. Should be worth noting that the Panthers said they were going to pick up Darnold's fifth-year option too. So I don't really know. I mean, obviously he's going to be an option this year, but I think he looks like a long-term option for them. And again with Darnold, I mean, he's coming from the Jets and Adam Gase, man. I mean, he deserves a second chance more so than any other quarterback in the league, I believe. And Joe Brady now, and then got Robbie Anderson back in with Darnold. It could be interesting. We'll see. And he's younger than Joe Burrow. True. If anybody can serve can save Sam Darnold, it's Joe Brady. That's how I feel. I, I when I look at this trade, the one thing that jumps to mind for me is I feel like Carolina just became a really prime trade suspect, yeah. just given that you know they don't need their quarterback anymore, and especially you know depending on how this top three or four shakes out, I mean they could drop you know somewhere from twelve to twenty and really you know add some nice pieces here. The I, this has been a lot of fun, you know, for like months and months and months. It seemed like yeah. we had this, you know, consensus really as, as draft people on, you know, how this was all going to shake out. Now we've had a couple of trades over the last couple of weeks and all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, all this possibility again. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's really true. It all seemed written. Even the pro days are opening things up. Yeah. Uh, and so what does this all mean? I think for starters, given truth serum option a was trying to trade up for Trey Lance. Um, and the Niners beat them to it by trading up to three. All of a sudden at four, they don't have a trade partner because it seems the Falcons weren't ready to do business. Certainly not with a division rival. And I think this also means that Carolina is out on Justin Fields which is kind of nuts um, because Sam, Sam Darnold's great. Um, but, you know, there is some damaged goods and you always worry about the bad habits that you get into when you're on a struggling football team and you're trying too hard and you regress. We saw it after a phenomenal five-game stretch as a rookie by Drew Locke, uh, some real regression. And a lot of that, like pressing too hard, trying to do too much, getting into some bad habits, um, that really kind of have stunted uh, Locke's development in year two. And you worry about that with uh, with Darnold. Um, so, and, and that's a decision they'll have to wear. Like if Fields gets past them and turns out to be what I think the four of us, while we fully admit there are some, some definite concerns to his game, if he turns out to be who we think he'll be, um, you know, that that could come back to bite him. Now, I'm a I'm a big believer in Darnold. I think this is the perfect situation for him. Um, but you know, he's those bad habits, some some of the bad traits he had at USC, they've popped up in New York. And uh you have to fix that for sure. And you wonder, do they go O line or what have you? Um they could just go like full, like I don't know, was it twenty sixteen Eagles and just load up the QB room, still take a guy at seven and just go whoever they feel is the best. Yeah, at eight, exactly. And I mean, I think um I think seven becomes another pressure point now, guys, because it's an outside chance, as uh, our guy Zach Stevens was talking about today. Um, but uh, 
you know, at seven, I think if Fields is there, Detroit could be tempted. Yeah, because I mean, Goff I, was a backup plan. Yeah, I think that the plan for Detroit has to be like, you know, you have two years left where you have to keep Jared Goff. Do you think that there is any chance that you can? you know, do whatever you consider successful. I mean, in theory, it would be like go win a Super Bowl, but for them, maybe they're happy, like get to the playoffs, then he moves on and then you replace the quarterback and build from there. I don't really love that path. And for that reason, and the fact that I don't think like Jared Goff is going to be the answer for this team. if, If I were them, I would go get a quarterback at the same time. I'm not them because I wouldn't have traded for Jared Goff in the first place. So obviously we see some things differently. Um, because of that, maybe they do say like, let's give it one year with Jared Goff, see what we've got, um, build around him the best we can. And if it doesn't go well, then next year we get our quarterback. I think that that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. I think so. And then, I mean, defensively, they've been so bad for so long and you're picking at seven, you're going to have a chance to get a real impact player on defense. Can you pass that up if you're the Lions though? Uh it's the lions man they could always pass it up that's true i I think the smartest choice for them is going to end up being trading down that's what p traeger had them doing in his mock he had them trading down to like 16 i think with the cardinals and still landing Devontae smith all the way at 16 wow i i don't hate that I mean, that's quite the backup plan right there. You know, um, that would be not bad at all. And Jeremiah at seven, who also released a mock um, this week, has uh, the Lions taking Justin Fields. So just like what we talked about. Yeah. Um, Are we all in agreement now that at four, whether it's Atlanta or some team that makes an offer they can't refuse type of deal. It's it's going to be one, two, three, four quarterbacks, and it's going to be in the order of Lawrence, Wilson, Jones, and then Lance. I'm just waiting for the draft prop, prop from DraftKings at this point. Like, give us an odds boost on it because that's how feel that's how confident I feel that it's going to go QB one, two, three, four. And that's that's weird, you know, with with. I just talked about a couple of minutes ago. I feel like this top 10 has a lot of possibility, a lot of movement, but even so it's, how is it not going to play out that way at this point? Yeah. I think it's quarterbacks one, two, three, four. I will say that I don't think that we've seen the last change to the order. I think that Justin Fields is kind of at at his low point in maybe, maybe his entire collegiate career. Maybe going back to high school, you could say that this is the lowest point that Justin Fields looks at, at to be at as a prospect throughout that entire time period. I do think like that there's a little bounce up. Perceived stock, yeah. His perceived, his yeah. Stock. There you go. Yes, that's a good one. Um, but but I do think that that does come up a little bit, and I I don't know who drops, but I think there's a chance that he passes Trey Lance. The funny thing is I feel like I'm as high on Justin Fields as I've ever been. Like I came on him in kind of lukewarm and just as it's gone on and on, I've been like, man, I really like what I'm seeing out of this guy. And it kind of seems like the general consensus from a lot of people has been the opposite. They came in really high and they're like, Oh, you know, I'm not sure. And it's just, you know, this big debate, does he process fast enough? And now all these people sharing numbers trying to prove he does. And it's, it's just such a weird case of like, I'm not sure we've seen a guy come out of like such a major program recently where we've all been just so 
on complete like opposite fences. It's not like he's Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming or something. This is a guy we all got to watch a ton of football, ton of big games, ton of big stage. And even so it, it's just so split. I'm, I'm sticking with that. I've, I'm as high on Justin Fields as I've ever been. I hope it's, I really hope he falls to nine. It's not too dissimilar to how Deshaun Watson was getting. Yes. I've and, thought and about that a lot. Deshaun got this treatment his entire final year, yep. not just in the draft process. Now, then his stock rose back up in the Alabama game. Um, As it should have. But I mean, the conversation going into the college football playoffs was like, oh, is Deshaun Watson a first rounder? Um, which, of course, now seems insane. Of course, Lamar Jackson, not too dissimilar. It took people a long time to come around to Kyler. Um, of course, you know, the whole baseball being in play. Um, <clears throat> Do you think it's just because we talk about this for so long now that the That's NFL draft prospect has gone so, like, you know, it's it's 18 months of, yes. oh, this and that and this and that. Like, I think yeah. of a guy like Trevor Lawrence. How freaking long have we been dissecting tri- Trevor Lawrence's game and, Oh, he does this well. And we're just looking for these little things to nitpick because we've just beat it to death. Yeah, it's prospect fatigue and it's groupthink on our side as mm-hmm. a media media scouts. And then it shouldn't come as a surprise that once you get the decision makers who often aren't the general managers who are part of the scouting process year round but our guys like the head coaches, which is exactly what's happening in the Niners camp. You know, Kyle Shanahan, he's not on Twitter. He's not ingrained in Justin Fields has been QB2 for two years. He just looks at it for fresh from fresh eyes. And, you know, you look at the stuff Mac Jones did last year, man. Um, it's hard to knock that stuff. Um, when you Is Mac Jones more NFL ready than Justin Fields right now? Uh, I mean, uh, well, uh, one more thing I want to mention too. I mean, Shanahan worked with RG three coming out of college and Absolutely. I'd probably say he was a bit more of a project at this point than Justin Fields. I mean, certainly remember how simplified that Washington offense was in the 2012 season. Why can't yeah. fields do the same? Well, and point. I mean, it, it's a great, I mean, and we're talking about two different universes, Jake. It's a great point like that. The air raid translating to the NFL back then unheard of yeah what justin fields does at ohio state translating in the nfl is what got urban meyer a fat contract (laughs) as a head coach one of the more coveted you know free agent head coaches we've had in years um so like yeah absolutely and i think your question is really at the heart of this justin fields debate um justin is is it fields or mac jones who's more nfl ready Well, to me, because of that athleticism, allowing him to bail out of situations, allowing him to extend plays, and it's just like length on an offensive tackle, right? It gives you a greater margin of error. It's just like athleticism in a wide receiver. You might not have been super crisp, but then, man, you you sure were explosive on that break and you made up that that cushion, right? It's just margin of error. And shit, Justin Fields has a way bigger margin of error than Mac Jones. I mean, way bigger. 
Um, so we need to pull up Mac Jones running a 40 again, Andre, or don't be, don't be throwing hate at my, my man, Max away. No, I, I keep Dre is 1000% right. I want to lean on that one-on-one at the <laughs> senior bowl and showing off his wheels and almost getting himself hurt. Um, <laughs> no, so it's, uh, it's interesting. And Schrager does have to your point, Hank, that it's not a done deal on the order. The Patriots moving up for fields, so not a one, two, three, four, um, as I described it. Um, and then he has Lance drop into the Broncos. All right, so, I just okay. saw real quick the last pick that Schrager has Davis Mills in the first round. Yes, I wanted right. to bring that up at the end. <laughs> I wanted to ask Hank about this, but just just real quick before we dive into that, because Dre brought up New England trading up to four. Who are the other? you know, prime yes. trade up candidates that Denver would be in competition for, you know, we don't know if Denver wants to trade up to four, or if they're, you know, content sitting with nine, but now that Carolina, you know, they've brought in Darnold, you know, I don't really see them moving up or anything like that. Other than new England, like, I don't, maybe a team like Minnesota or something, but that seems unlikely given what they're paying Kirk cousins. I just, there I, aren't a lot of trade up candidates at this point, I guess is the point that I'm trying to get at. I think you look at 1920, uh, Washington, Chicago, there should be, you know, and yes, of course they'll have to pay more than what Denver's going to have to pay, but getting quarterbacks is all about, you know, how much are you willing to stomach? How much of a thirst do you have for a quarterback and for that specific quarterback? And if those teams are like really willing to make a move, you know, everyone's got assets to to make it happen and beat out the Broncos. But yeah, I think 15, 19, 20. And I think we're all going to be sneaky too with big Ben, but I just to drop that far, you'd have to give up so much. You'd have to give up like multiple first probably. Now, what did they recoup from the Minka trade? That's a good Um, question. The Steelers. Uh I think they just got Minka, didn't they? Oh, oh, right, right. It went in reverse or uh, right. It went opposite order. Yeah. 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 No, I think the Steelers, that's going to be a little too hard. Um, I think you're right. I think it's just 19 and 20. And I mean, get ready. I think the once the fourth pick is on the clock, I think it's going to be some heavy, heavy tension moments. Um, I I think someone's going to make a big move or Atlanta's going to stay strong and take one of these two guys. I think you're right. Okay, sorry. Back to Jake's point because that was also something I wanted to get to, and this was yeah what uh, the something hell? that was in Pete Schrager's draft. He's got Davis Mills, the Stanford quarterback, going number thirty-two overall, yeah. the first round. I got, I don't even think we've talked about him yet. Have let we? it <laughs> no. let it be noted. I'm the only one who brought him up at the mm-hmm. end of our quarterback episode. Yeah. Um. Hank, you want to take this? I mean, yeah, for I'll starters, impossible to analyze this last year of his, right? What Stanford end up playing? Three and a half games? Yeah. Yeah. And and the big thing is, like, they didn't play the early games, and I think they missed the end of camp. And so when everybody else was, like, figuring out how to play football on the fly because nobody got enough practices in the spring, they were still just not able to do anything. A yeah. uh, whole bunch of other crazy stuff they had to go through. Um if, if you wanted to make the case that Davis Mills is a first-round quarterback, 
you start by saying, you know, he, he was the number one recruit in the country in his class, uh, number one quarterback. He had offers to play anywhere. He chose Stanford. Um, and at Stanford, you know, there are some good things that happened. He, he played in a pro We're stretching if we're, if we're saying the reason he's a first-round quarterback was what he did in high school. <laughs> it's it's my best <laughs> argument for first round. But, but, I mean, like, the arm strength to the sidelines, to me, it isn't there. Honestly, I didn't analyze him closely this season because I didn't see him as this type of quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the numbers back up that he can't get the ball to the sidelines. Um, I think that... He, he threw some nice deep balls that I remember to Simi Fayoko, but to me, like he's a, a backup type of quarterback. I mean, if you want to compare him to Kyle Trask, I think that you could find some similarities there. Yeah. He's like, I could convince myself he's a Gardner Minshew type, you know, without mm-hmm. the Minshew swag, obviously. And tall. you know, he's that kind of guy like, Oh, you, you work in a spread, but I could see you be a great West Coast quarterback. Like, you know, there's a million of those guys. And mm-hmm. if you look at the 2019 tape, it's actually better than 2020. <laughs> um, like, and he can move a little, like size is decent. He's decently accurate. Like when he gets going, he can kind of sling it and throw with anticipation. Um, but yeah, like to me, that's crazy but this is gonna be a draft that's wide open um and like i think we will have some surprises you know it's been very chalk um and i've liked that about these position breakdowns where our rankings certainly haven't been chalk um yeah you know but yeah i think i expect that to open up so okay we can agree that at least the first three are locked in Jake, can I get you on record with that? You're you're awfully quiet on this. Uh, um, are the first is Mac Jones at three locked in for you? Man, I guess so. I mean, if I'm making the pick, I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, but that, from everything that sounds that's coming out of San Francisco, it seems to be the pick. I though I don't get it, but sure. <laughs> I'm well. More, so since we can all agree, it's basically the Broncos essentially have the sixth pick now. Um. And, uh, you know, you assume the first pick of that draft will be a quarterback, either Trey Lance or Justin Fields. And then how does it play out from there? Well, I'm more going against your guys's take at four with Atlanta taking a quarterback because I just it just doesn't make sense to me from where they are at a team standpoint. You get an offensive minded guy and uh, Arthur Smith to be the head coach now. I mean, I guess it would make sense for him to go pick his guy, but still, I said it before, Matt Ryan has not really fallen off. And until I think you start to see him sliding down that cliff of, uh, I don't know what the word is, degradation, I don't know. But um, it just wouldn't make sense to me, especially when you're at four. You can get whoever you want. You can get Pitts. You can get Micah Parsons. I mean, it just doesn't make sense I, For the to record, me. I think they trade out of four. When okay. That was my reasoning with QBs going one, two, three, four. I don't see the Falcons being the fourth team making that pick. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is it sounds like Arthur Smith is happy to ride with Matt Ryan. But the, the GM wants, uh, wants a QB, and it sounds like Lance is what they're leaning on. I don't know. And, you know, again... Hank, I'm with you, and, you know, Schrager's got fields at four. 
to me, Carolina doesn't trade for Darnold unless they feel close to absolute certainty. That's a lot of capital, man. That like their guy, I guess it's their guy. Like, obviously, I don't know that they're one of the teams that's out on fields, which is kind of, you know, the rumor du jour. Um, But I don't to me, just connecting the dots. I think they want Trey Lance. And I think that they thought Trey Lance was never dropping in a million years. Um, So it'll be interesting. Um, I guess it's something to say, too, that they didn't really trade up. I mean, they had Mac Jones right in front of their faces at the senior bowl and everything. I think they saw enough there and made the decision that rather have Darnold at this point, I guess, or, well, I, I think maybe Mac Jones was really their guy. Trey Lance was their fallback guy and they couldn't get either. Definitely. Yeah, could that be. too. But Remember I, how I, crazy that sounded though, when we were saying like, Hey, there's a chance that they'll take him at eight. And it's like, no, there's no way it's it's. And now this world we live in where Mac Jones will not be there. So I did this. I went back. um, Randomly, this happened. I I didn't mean to do this exercise, but, you know, it it happened to be kind of an open brain draft exercise. I I went back to watch that Fields game in the Big Ten Championship two seasons ago, you know, where he's he's banged up after the Michigan game. Uh, And he plays well, man. It's super gutsy. Um, There's some really nice throws, really nice runs. But at the same time, it I'll admit it wasn't as, you know, he misses some throws. It wasn't as great of a game. And again, you should be able to miss some throws when you're banged up. Also, you're a quarterback. You handle the ball every play. You need to be held at a different standard than like an offensive tackle. That's what I've learned in evaluation. You know, you nitpick quarterbacks too much. You're going to end up, you know, grading a Patrick Mahomes too low. Um, And so... (sighs) That said, I really think that and and so I I watched that and then I randomly happened on the Alabama Auburn game. And, you know, compared to what I just saw from Fields, Mac Jones is slinging it. He's killing it. He is making some NFL throws. It's all deep. It's all vertical throws with anticipation. He's handling pressure well, like Auburn you know, it wasn't like everything was wide open and they didn't create pressure. They put up a fight and he's just, you know, it's the end of the season game for Mac Jones versus a a game two years ago from fields. But like in that moment, I could see how a guy like Kyle Shanahan not ingrained in this like two year long group think could see it differently. And I'm sorry, I lost my point and babbled there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the other thing, which I kind of mentioned earlier, is that it hasn't just been two years. Like like Justin Fields was one of the, like, he, I think he was the number one dual threat quarterback in his class. He uh-huh. was on like that QB1 show that, mm-hmm. that followed like the high school quarterbacks around through the recruiting stuff. Like it's been, it's been half a decade that we've been hearing about Justin Fields and now he's finally going to the NFL there's definitely at least a little bit of fatigue playing in now. I don't, it's, Ooh, it's sure. just a weird thing to compare to Mac Jones and Zach Wilson and especially Trey Lance. That's the draft for you. Yeah. And again, to me, Mac Jones rising in this class and being the third quarterback is less crazy than like Baker Mayfield being the first overall quarterback in that class. Yeah. You know, so like I've seen it before. Um, okay. Let's, uh, 
round up the mock talk, QB talk, uh, Sam Darnold, take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into this safety class, which, uh, woof. They stink. It's a doozy. They're terrible. Yeah, but there's some fun ones here. You're too nice, Dre. Well, it's true. Henry? Oh, are we uh, doing a quick uh, break? Yeah. We, oh, damn it. I thought, yes. Okay. Um, we are doing out. a break right now. Uh, and I'm going to tell you guys about all the awesome stuff that you can get if you become a DMVR member. Um, right now, not only do you get access to our members only Discord, um, access to all the written content, thedmvr.com, um, you get big beers for the size of small beers at the bar. You also, um, as of right now, you get a free. Uh, shirt from the DNVR locker. You also get a free recover holistic stick from holistic wellness. You might be wondering what that is. Uh, I would tell you you're crazy. Everybody knows about holistic sticks from holistic wellness. Um, but what it does is it packs 10 milligrams of CBD into a little stick. You uh, break the top off the stick, you pour it in your drink, you stir it around, you drink it and they're amazing. They're easy to use. They don't make a mess and they get you the, the CBD that your body wants. Um, you can check out the reviews for yourself at holisticwellness.com. It's H O L I S T I K wellness.com. And better yet, they're actually offering our listeners 30% off their first purchase using the code DNVR30. So make sure you get in on that and check out all of the different products that they offer over at Holistic Wellness. Hey, if you're on the fence, we added it up and there were 22 pieces of content between the DNVR beats, that was yesterday alone. It was just yesterday. Yeah. All I'm saying, not going to get that type of variety anywhere else in town. And I'm confidently putting that out publicly on the airwaves because it's facts only. That's we true. do it all here at DNVR. That is true. That's true. That, what else is, that is it? true is... Oh, no, go ahead, Dre. What? Is that it? Oh, no. That, that was oh, one okay. of three. Okay. Um, <laughs> basketball teams oh. are entering the final month of the regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locks to make the playoffs, like the Denver Nuggets, others are fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. That's 100 to 1 odds. Um, it's really simple. All you have to do is pick any basketball team to win their next game. And if during that game, that team hits a three, you bring home $100 in free bets. If you aren't into basketball, there's plenty of other things to bet on. Uh, you can bet on the NFL draft. You can bet on the masters. You can bet on, um, oh, hockey's another one. Baseball's back now. You can bet against the Rockies and make yourself some money. Uh, so many options with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's safe, reliable, secure. Um, you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up and turn $1 into $100 in free bets. If the basketball team of your choosing hits a three, that's code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522. 4700 nailed it also um want to tell you guys about our uh, our great friends 
over at Gabby Insurance. Uh, those really are great people over there because they just want to save you money. Um, and in fact, they save their customers on average $961 per oh, yeah. year. Uh, the way it works is you send your, um, your insurance policy to them and they send it around to 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, Travelers, and a bunch of others, uh, 37 others actually. And then they all give you quotes and it's all for the exact same insurance policy. You just get to take the cheapest one. It's an awesome service and uh, they don't sell your information. Um, they, they're totally like, you're not going to get spam calls, anything like that. And um, when DNVR employees look to Gabby, they saved a bunch of money. Um, Drew Creaseman, AJ Haefeli, Lindsay Sauer, all saved hundreds on their yearly rates. Uh, Eric Weedham, you know him as D-Line, saved over $1.3,000. Uh, Gabby stands for get a better insurance. They make it easy. So put your policy of the test like we did and get a better insurance with Gabby. It's uh, You can check it out at gabby.com. That's G-A-B-I.com slash D-N-V-R. Make sure you get the slash D-N-V-R in there so that uh, they know we sent you. You save that money from Gabby and then you reinvest it in DraftKings. And then with all those DraftKings winnings from the draft props that you'll get from us, you get yourself some hassle cattle. Um, it's really easy. Get a better beef, get a better bet. We're just helping the people out all over the place. That's DNVR so for a better life. Let's do it. Boom. Put it on a t shirt. Truly. Um, all right. The safety class. You know, um, This has become, as uh, as the the game of of the college game evolves, um, I think it used to be on the offensive side. There were a lot of struggles in evaluating, you know, the spread game, um, and, and products coming from that. Now the spread is what they run in the NFL, so it all translates pretty evenly a lot more. Um, so the, the issues that you had with that kind of stuff 10 years ago, aren't really there, but in college where you don't have NFL athletes, uh, you're having to see a lot of quarters and, uh, a lot of coverages that aren't really translating. So this, especially the safety, I think more than the corners, because at least the top corners, they're being asked to do top corner type stuff. Um, these safeties are hard eval. I mean, Jake, I don't know if you want to expand on that and kind of the coverages and, and how little that that part of the college game is translating um, and the difficulties in scouting with that. Yeah, I mean, well, just in this class specifically, I could not find a single one. That's not really true, but I, could, I was having a hard time finding guys that were just super rangy in the back end that were just reliable and trustworthy as last line of defenses. Yep. Um, so that's one thing that stood out to me. And that's one trait that I think you really have to look for in the safeties. Yes. Because in the NFL, you're, you know, the hashes are smaller. You're going to have more space to work with in the back end. Uh, also with these safeties, we're seeing a lot of these guys in this class, they're playing that. I don't want to call it the JOK position, but that kind of nickel linebacker mm -hmm. slash hybrid. So yeah. it's really hard to get a gauge how some of these guys are going to fit in and then you throw in the testing, the athletic testing wasn't really yeah. good with this class either. So it's even harder to project from that standpoint. Hopefully that answers your question. No, hundred percent. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's one of those premium traits. We talk about it, 
a lot premium traits, you know, premier traits and how that moves up and how important that is in evaluating and stacking a board and what have you. And that range is a premier trait. I don't think you see that. Another premier trait is being that Cam Chancellor, uh, Steve Atwater, Intimidator. You need to have a pretty unique combination of size and athleticism to do that. I think it's fair to say this class doesn't have that. Finally, a Tyron Matthew, that versatile jack of all trades, just ace in coverage, um, can play single high, two high, in the box, nickelback. He can do it all. There we might have some sneaky, sneaky candidates. And while it's not the most exciting safety class, it, it's worth noting that, like, look at the top 10 highest paid NFL safeties. There's a lot of third rounders. Look at the, like, 11 through 15, 20. There's a lot of day three guys. So you don't have to have premier traits if you've got the IQ and you fit the system and you're in the right system. So I think... As we go through our top fives, you know, we'll go through the traits. But then as you think of the back end, who could be your candidate to be that, you know, Jordan Poyer or Adrian Amos or Rashawn Jenkins of this class? Um, who, you know, carves out a role. So, uh, yeah, who wants to start? Top safety. I wonder if we'll have a consensus on this one. But I think the debate is... I think amongst most of the scouting community online, there seems to be a consensus with Trevor Mooring of TCU. Is that where you stand, fellas? No. Yeah, I mean, I've got Trevor. I think it's Merrig is how. Oh yeah, yeah, heard, definitely. Yeah, is. That's yeah, where yeah, I'm yeah. going with. Um, <laughs> it's not how I said it. Yeah, to be honest, I don't love him. But I, I I love him more than the other guys, so he's number one to me. Okay, Justin, gonna... <laughs> he is for you too. Go ahead, Justin. The the tough part for me is it, it's just comparing the different sample sizes amongst these. You know, whatever these top two or three guys are, it's there's moments where if you like pinpoint two or three game sample sizes for either of them and want to be like, this is the case. They're safety one. If you look at those two or three games, you can make a pretty strong case for any of these guys. That's just the tough part for me is finding consistency. Um, For me, as much as I like Marrying and I love his ball skills, um, I like that he flies around all over the field. I still lean Richie Grant just because it's a four-year sample size that matters to me. He's a guy that made plays in a lot of different ways. He moved around. They used him in in a variety of different ways. I just like his versatility. I like his physicality. I think the ball skills are there. And more than anything, because it's such a wonky year, to me it just comes down to I've got four years of games to look at, and this guy's been pretty consistent throughout it all. And you can't really say that about anyone else in this safety class. You agree, Jake? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've got Richie Grant over Merrick uh, right now. I just didn't see anything that Trevon Merrick did that – actually really impressed me too much i mean yeah. he's well-rounded i guess but it's just it's like a lot of like average five six level Correct. traits i mean we're not really getting into the seven or eights with him yeah and with richie grant just the versatility um the physicality like justin said i think that that combination is why i had him over Maring and just the ability to man coverage and play in the slot i like that a lot more about him I mean, Trevon Merrick's not bad. It's just that I just wouldn't, 
I wouldn't spend a premium pick on him. I don't think, especially if you're mm-hmm. a team in need, you're throwing that guy, the young rookie. I guess, in. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand what they see with marrying that they don't see in grant in the last yes. year that's caused marrying to go from, you know, like a, a pretty good prospect, a guy that was, you know, considered like a, a second round, third round pick to like a consensus, basically across the board, first round pick number one safety on the board everywhere online. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't see what separates him from the other guys, I guess. And maybe, you know, if, if Henry or, or Dre, if you guys have him higher, you can kind of explain what you're seeing. And, and again, it's not that I don't like marrying. It's just that it's inconsistent. And I don't see that type of physicality that I see with Richie Grant. And maybe that's me, you know, like leaning towards mm-hmm. the old school safety because physicality as a safety is probably right. a little right. overrated in 2020. If we're being honest, you aren't really allowed to play that physical anyways, but it's just something that I love that having that eraser option, somebody that can move fast. And, you know, if you happen to run across the middle of them, he's going to make you pay. And, and to me, that's Richie Grant. Yeah. Where so you stand, Dre? Go or ahead. Hank. Okay. Um, to, the reason I put Merrig in front is that he just has the burst. You know, when he sits back and you, you watch him just play those crossers running in front of him, he can be three, four steps away and as soon as the quarterback starts to throw the ball, he's downfield in a flash. He hits those guys. And to me, Richie Grant doesn't quite have that. On top of he that, doesn't move as well. That's for sure. Yeah. I think that the physicality, even with Richie Grant, can be a little bit overplayed. When I watched, I was impressed at first, especially like going through and like watching highlight videos. I was impressed. But on a down to down basis, there were plays where I was just like, you seem like you are stronger than this. You seem like you should be able to make more plays in the run game. Um, and then real quick, the other thing about Merrick that I really liked was that, so he can play the middle of the field, play those crossers. And I think he handles all of those things very well, which is important in the modern NFL. Also, when he's playing that slot role, when he has a chance to move forward and whether it's like a, a, a screen pass out there, a toss, um, a, a, some sort of like short route combination, he gets downhill so fast there that yep. anything in the backfield, I feel like he gets to, he makes a play. Anything that's like those short little out routes, those little zig routes, he's right on top of it. And, and that to me is more impressive than what I saw from Richie Grant, in, in my opinion. Where do you stand, Dre? Yeah, I mean, they're pretty close for me because I think I trust Grant more. I think when I look at it and I think who's going to be that dude that gets drafted in the third or beyond, who's like, oh, yeah, we probably overthought it because the dude's just a solid football player, good IQ. That versatility allows him to fit most schemes and he just found a role and went with it, you know. Um, so to me, he's safer, he's more reliable. He's got, you know, and he's got some nice traits. Um, I think Maring probably has the slightly higher traits. I think where we're diverging is, you know, you, you watch the right or wrong game for Maring. It's night and day. Like That's put on. Thing. Oak- it's like, there were moments yes. where I was like, I love this dude. And then I yes. watched him for another game and I'm like, uh, are we sure he's even a second round pick, let alone a top, you know, 2025 20, pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause when you scrape the barrel a little and you, you know, Oklahoma state, West Virginia, great games, go see him against Oklahoma, you know, go see him against the Longhorns. It gets a little rough. Um, and like, 
I don't like his tackling in space. I think he's Thank gonna. You. He reminds mostly... me of Justin Simmons, but he's not like as solid yeah. as a as an open field tackler. He he does well in those plays where he can run down and tackle like a screener, somebody's like that's not already yep. moving. But yep. like taking down a big wide receiver in open space, I just don't see it happening. Absolutely. I mean, and sometimes we can overrate downhill speed, and I think that can happen with Maring, but. I do see a little more upside. Um, you know, it, that's where when, I think this love is coming from is the upside. When asked to play a little, you know, a little closer to the line, being more of that box safety who can just process come downhill. Um, and you know, some too high. I think I see it from Maring. Honestly, though, they're my safety two and three, and they're kind of neck and neck. For me, Javon Holland is a safety one. You know, you're going off some old tape. His 2019 um, film so good, though. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you account for, well, maybe there's some growth, very productive. And to me, at least, that game translates a little more because I can trust him. Um, you know, he's not going to be Bud Baker. He's not going to be Tyron Matthew. But he can play in the nickel. He can play close to the line of scrimmage. I think he's athletic and mobile enough to be a single high. That's not like the ideal spot for him, but he can do it. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, you know, too high is going to look good. Um, I wish he was bigger, mm-hmm. you know, but that was my but, note. It's like literally love his athleticism, love his ball skills, love the way he flies around the field too small. Yeah. According and to like the PFF tracker, he's not that bad though. I mean, six foot two Oh seven, that puts him 75th percentile on heights, 93rd in weight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seven's bigger than I thought he was. I would have guessed it was more like 198, but it's true. Again, we haven't seen him in 15 months. Yeah, that's like, that is so also much fair. time to also put on fair. that much weight. And what has that done to him as a football player? Who even knows? Like, I well, he I lit know. it up at his pro day. Yeah, exactly. Like, Stop I that for him. <laughs> I I like him you better if you don't play this season, though. True. But to me, like, I, I he's just too small to be number one. And I have him at number three behind Richie Grant um, just because of the size, just because I feel like when he plays the run game, he's just going to get pushed around. Um, good in coverage, really good in the slot at the yeah. very least. I, I mean, I almost – I think that his best sure role not a nickel is just corner? as a nickel corner. Exactly. Yeah. But he might be. he's just talented enough that you want him on the field more than that. And so you want to play him at safety. And again – the physicality, I'm not sure if it's there. Like the man, when I watched, I thought he was terrified of contact. And I've read a bunch of other people say like he's 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 physical and we like that part of his game. But to me, I did not see that. It seems like every single play, you know, if, if he's five yards away and they're starting to wrap the running back up, he's not running in there. He's hanging back. Like, and it's just over and over and over again. It's like I don't in terms of safeties, I don't love that. I saw that. I like the bit. way he closes on the football, like a corner. Oh, yeah. He's got great ball skills and great recovery skills. But I agree with Hank's assessment in a sense of when I watch Holland, I'm not like, this dude's going to clean up the middle of the field for me, or this dude's going to, you know, make that oh, for sure game changing tackle. Mm-hmm. But he might make the game changing one handed pick on like, it's just one of those. He's for a sure. freaky athlete. I'm I'm not sure he's a safety though. I just want to say I saw a lot of things Hank was talking about in terms of a bit shyness and physicality, but the last time we saw him in that Auburn game, I thought that he really kind of turned it up a bit and we potentially saw the player turn in the corner, but it's so hard to say just because we're coming up on a year and a half since that game. So it's really tough to, I mean, good luck trying to project this guy. 
It's nuts, but I rely on what he can do, you know, and I think mm-hmm. that's yeah. more special. And I also see fewer busted big plays on his watch than a lot of the other guys. So to me, that the high end is pretty good. The low end's pretty good, uh, you know. Uh, the- There's about a six-game stretch there in 2019 that I would say is like his his clo- especially closing down that that 2019 season. That stretch of film that he has is probably more impressive than any stretch of film that any of these safeties have collectively. Again, though, I'm coming back to the same thing that I used to put Richie Grant as safety one, and it's just sample size for me. You know what I mean? I have mm-hmm. I have 40 games of Richie Grant oh. doing this versus six games with some of these other guys, and I sympathize for some of these GMs. You know, I'm, I'm glad I get to sit on here and shoot the shit and be like, I love these. I like this dude. I like this dude. I like this dude. I'm not going to get fired if he doesn't pan out. Totally. And I mean, as I'm stacking my board, that having a greater sample size of success is proving to be huge because it, it, I mean, it is a question mark. I need to see some consistent. And I should note that Holland freshman, sophomore contributor, high high end in a really good secondary. I mean, that secondary was humming for Oregon in that last year. Is that a consensus top three for us? I know yeah, in a different order, but yeah. it's one way or another. Um, and I know you guys mentioned uh, Justin and Jake not using a premium pick on Maring. Would you use a premium pick on on Grant, who's your safety one? I'd use a second round pick. I wouldn't put a first round grade on any no, of these safeties. No. Just being like, I think one of them will probably go in the first round, just given the the lack of depth in this class. Mm-hmm. But I'm as I, you know, kind of was joking with you guys before we started this podcast. Thank God they locked down Simmons and Kareem Jackson. And I know seriously, you know, we can kind of debate about, you know, whether Simmons is worth the money and all that. But ultimately, you know, when you're looking at this situation, considering they got Jackson on a discount basically and Simmons on a fairly reasonable contract, in my opinion, then it, it worked out pretty well for Broncos fans. I think it's it's a much better situation where you could take a flyer on a safety in like the fourth or fifth round versus, all right, well, I guess we're taking, you know, marrying in the second or, or, mm-hmm. you know, Holland in the second round. Cause we desperately need to fill this role. Right. Yeah. I don't right. know at 41, if there's anyone, maybe Richie Grant that I would consider, but especially given like we were just talking about Simmons and Jackson coming back. I just don't think this team necessarily needs a safety, let alone a top 50 pick on a safety. Um, I'd be intrigued by Holland. But again, I mean, you kind of have Bryce Callahan there, you know, so. I I mean, also play the secondary. You can never have enough guys in the secondary. And I just completely talked over Hank and I'm sure that was inaudible. So I'm just going to let you make your point again. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like you can have more speedy guys. Like that, that is just fine. And next year, Kareem Jackson is probably gone. Yeah. So sure. it wouldn't well, God, hurt to find he... somebody to to potentially replace him. Um, He's got to be like to find what, somebody like who can years? come close to matching that physicality because at this point, like he's he's it. He he's the physical guy on that defense. Um, and and so replacing him with somebody who can't hit would be a little disappointing, in my opinion. But yeah, would you take player. Richie Grant in the second then? Would you be okay with that pick? I don't. I, I mean, I I'm gonna be disappointed if they take a safety. I, I think I think any yep. safety they draft in this draft, unless it's just somebody free falls multiple rounds, I'm gonna think like, eh, there's probably somebody better available. Yeah, 
Well, I was going to say, certain. I mean, maybe use this as a segue. I think the value in this safety class actually lies at day three. You want to see who falls. Um, there's a lot of guys that are hurt. Um, yeah, we'll get into it. Right. And find yourself that Adrian Amos. And you're talking about physicality. I mean, the next three guys on my list are pretty good downhill. Um, they're not Kareem Jackson, but they're pretty good downhill. Um, and that's the thing. You've got guys. Uh, there's some traits here and there. Um but man, this was a tough one to stack. I like all three guys I have next. Um, I might as well just go. It's, you know, Wiggins out of Cincinnati. Really interesting guy. Um, very important for that Bearcat defense this last year, but that's really not his best film because he was still coming off some, you know, he was banged up and missed some time and he's coming off an ACL from 2019. It's a 2018 film where you'll see more playmaking skills and stuff like that. Um, and so that upside, that high end has him just slightly ahead of Talano Hufanga, who I would love to pound the table for. Um, there are so many plays where I'm like, oh, I'm ready. Let's pound the table. Mm -hmm. I just can't do it. Um, this appears too much. He well, and he, he's a small safe. He's yeah, he's not. He's baby. a big safety in a small safety's body, essentially. Um, and to me, misses too many plays downfield. And a guy we have talked, you know, during the season, we were talking about Indiana and Jamar Johnson from time to time. There's a lot to like about Jamar Johnson. That dude can fly, dude. He His closing fly. speed on the ball is insane. There's just so many bad angles. Um, yeah, it's tough. And he's not a it, good tackler either. Is he a true single high? Would I rather him in the nickel? Is he wasted in a too high? Like, but Johnson's upside has me very intrigued. Johnson's upside has me very intrigued. That's a guy I'd coach up. Um, and you know, the, there's some more upside to the gin with there. I mean, you know, I talked about Wiggins. Uh, Cisco could fit that. I, I know. I know you've been a fan, um, Jake. So, oh no. And you know, like, where's Richard LeCount? Who we, Where we used is to like. Richard LeCount? <laughs> oh man, Whew, what a question! R.I.P. Yeah. So, did Cincinnati low-key have the best safety duo in the entire country? Because you brought Seems up Wiggins, like who I like a lot, and I also, I mean, um, I'm, yes. I'm trying to blank on Forrest. his name. Uh, Forrest, Forrest. Forrest Jr. I mean, you watched that Georgia Bowl game. That dude yeah. was flying all over the place. Nine solo tackles in it. He's Good got size. pretty decent ball skills as well. Mm -hmm. I like his physicality. Um, he Again, like going back to my point where I asked Hank there, would you be upset if they took a safety? To me, he's a guy that you could see, you know, slide in the fifth. And I know I'm kind of jumping around here because yeah, I, no, I, I wouldn't put him as my fourth safety. I just, I really like this Cincinnati backfield. I think they were a, a defense that didn't get enough love throughout the season last year. Probably best defense in college football with all due yeah, respect to Georgia. Which is crazy. Yep. I'll throw um, my number four out there. Uh, go ahead. I've got Hamza Nazareel Dean right there. Yeah, um, interesting. Just, just basically an upside play. Um, was yeah. I didn't, I didn't love anything about the other guys, and honestly, honestly, I searched out somebody who I could really enjoy rooting for, and I, I'm, I'm a big fan of like the big safety. I feel like that's what the Broncos could really use. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways to get that. You know, we talked about Troy Dye last year. He would have filled that role. JOK, he fits that role. Uh, Jeremy Chin last year fits that role. Isaiah Simmons, like, I, I think that that body type, there's just so many things that you can do 
and right now the Broncos don't have anybody. And so maybe that makes me like kind of overvalue that because I want it so bad. But even though the, the tape is a little bit raw, not zero Dean, there's, there's to me enough to go off of Justin. What are you thinking? I just wanted to ask you real quick. Cause I, I like that you brought up JOK. I'd be curious if we thought of JOK purely as a safety, where would he fall on this list for you? Would he be like, would he be a top three safety for you? If you just, we just classified him straight as a safety. I mean, easy number one for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think he yeah. might be my one. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Definitely. I mean, without even, not, yeah, not even a question for me. Yeah, yeah. Cause he's basically, I you thought know, that was going to be a better discussion point than it was. <laughs> you were right, uh, basically yeah, as good in the nickel as some of these top guys. And uh, he'd be the best box, like pure box safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, shoot, you're right. I mean, this, this should be the JOK appreciation episode because when you study the safeties, it's like, Oh yeah. JOK can do their job and like only way better. Yeah, like he's actually fine as a safety. Yeah, I think it, I think just like talking about this over the last forty five minutes has only made me appreciate him more. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And Nazardin, that's not too dissimilar from the Wiggins play. Like that's another guy who hasn't totally been at a hundred percent for like legit almost two years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe once you unwrap unwrap that box come training camp, it's like, oh hey. You developed into a stud. Great. I just feel like there's something that he should be able to provide. You know, in some situation, you know, we've been talking to the the buffs the last couple of weeks with uh, spring practice, the defensive coordinator saying we are going to have a whole bunch of different base defenses. The the base isn't three, four anymore. It's not four, three. It's not nickel. It's none of that because it just depends on who you're playing. I feel like that's the kind of piece that you want. A Hamza Nazir Dean, who sometimes he might be a linebacker, sometimes he's a slot, whatever. It's just that he doesn't, like like you said, didn't put the pieces together quite right. He moves well for being like six foot three. Um, I put my notes that, like, honestly, he doesn't like have the pop that Merrick does when he hits, which is kind of crazy considering the the size differential. Um, But he doesn't he's a little bit contact averse too. I think when he hits, it's more of like, I'm going to stand here and like, let you take this. And he doesn't really just use that size very well. He's kind of gangly and awkward when he's moving around in coverage, but he has the length and he makes plays. And it seems like, I I think the forced turnover numbers are really big. There's, there's something there. I just don't know exactly what it is. So, my number four, Andre already kind of mentioned it would be Andre Cisco for me. I think he had probably some of the best tape that I was watching of this safety class. And the main thing for me that I'm sold on with him is the amount of production he has. Uh, it's one thing I learned from just listening to Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky on Move the Sticks is that you can find the ball in college. You can find the ball in the NFL. Um, he got one interception this year before he tore his ACL, and that interception put him as the active CFB leader in interceptions um, also has 14 pass breakups uh, doesn't really play down low. He's more of a back end guy, so he doesn't have any sacks, but I thought he was really reliable um, single high playing the back end too. Mm-hmm. And he tore his ACL. I mean, it's, I don't want to make light of that, but it's Same as Wiggins and Nazardine. Mm-hmm. Oh, they have ACLs too. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, I didn't know Wiggins had an ACL. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Yep. Well, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, that's that's just 
me gushing about Cisco there. That's, I he's, think that that combination of he's got the size. I think he showed the speed. So you got to mm-hmm. figure out if he still has that speed post-injury. Um, it kind of brings me back to Antoine Winfield last year, man. He had the best ball production of all the safeties and he was the fourth safety taken and he was the most impactful rookie in that safety class. Um, so, I mean, I know you got the ACL, but man, if you want to, you know, really aim for the fences with a, a pick on the safety class, he'd be my guy. He's another one who's just twitchy and has that burst and specifically against the chiefs with all those crossing routes, he just comes downhill so hard and knocks the ball out. And, you know, when you're the Broncos right now, you have to be thinking like, how do we beat the chiefs to me? The problem that they keep having is first of all, they can't cover Travis Kelsey. None of these guys are going to solve that. I don't think, but the other thing is the crossing routes and Andre Cisco is certainly a guy who can, get himself going and just hit. I mean, injuries aside, the upside's pretty tantalizing. It's pretty tantalizing on a guy like Caden Stearns too, but uh, he was going to be another guy I got to just because of the testing. I mean, the the film is up and down, but the testing and the athletic scores really have me intrigued. And he's like an, he's like an all get off the bus type team. Yeah. He's a guy who like, you just pause the tape and like try to guess who the NFL dudes are, you'll probably try to guess that number seven on Texas is a, like is an NFL dude. Um, he just looks at, yeah, you, you closed out my, my top guys with the Nazardine and um, Derek Forrest shout out. I know there are some guys um, higher on our Darius Washington, the kind of smaller safety out of TCU. Um for two guys that are fairly high on the rankings, that was not a good safety pairing last year. Um, just throwing that out there. I'm uh, since, so out on Washington. <laughs> I don't get. I don't get Go his ahead. love at all. Like you yeah. see some of these draft rankings, and he's he's way a lot higher than some of these. Even guys coming out of smaller schools, like I like a guy like Tariq Thompson coming out of San Diego State more than I like him. And granted, I'll, I'll add the caveat that I don't think Thompson's a true safety in the NFL. I think he's going to be a nickel corner. But That's again, fine. a four-year starter, a massive sample size. They moved him all over the field. Pretty good downhill, a solid tackler, decent ball skills. He's not, he, you know, he didn't have as many opportunities because San Diego State's a weird defense when you watch them. They they run, you know, they run traditionally six DBs at any given time, and so their responsibilities change a little bit, but. It's just weird watching. Once we get out of these top four or five guys, I, it, it just really feels like a lot of these dudes are project picks. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, some of them are going to pan out. Like you said, there have been a how many safeties have we seen become the highest paid safety after being a third or fourth round pick? I just don't feel that confidently putting my my money behind any of these dudes, whether it's Thompson or, or Stearns or um, I, I do like the guy out of Indiana. And I know I, I'm, it's getting late here. Jamar Johnson. Thank you. Sorry. I'm, I'm, but i just like his athleticism and and that's really i guess what it comes down to with any of these dudes it's just like exactly can you find something that you like enough to take a flyer on them well and i mean it's pretty quick to be like oh the third or fourth best i'm just like taking a swing on on, exactly (laughs) i mean that's how like not deep this is you know after that it's like okay you can roll the dice on day three on this dude i approve of that um a guy who's less of a roll of the dice, more of an immediate roll, Joshua Bledsoe. Yes. Uh, more of a nickel. 
um, kind of playmaker, but I, I think rangy enough to play to play even as a single high. Out of Mizzou, you gotta love that you've got that full SEC schedule. Um, the the beauty of that this year is you can put any guy on against Florida, any guy on against Alabama, and then there's no hiding in that. You, you're you're back seven defender. I watch you against those guys. All is revealed, folks. And and he held his own, though. Um, Kadarius Tooney, if you guys remember, in that game was untackable. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, guys we've admired before, LeCount, Paris Ford, really testing horrendously. Yeah, talk about I, a guy that hurt himself as Paris Ford. Because coming into this season, I was, you know, he was a guy I had my eyes on as, you know, potentially like a top five safety in this class. And to me, he feels like an undrafted free agent after the way he tested. Look at the yep. disgust on Jake's face. Him and Hamlin, man. I was so excited about both of those guys. And then I turned on the tape and it was, gosh, I'm out on both, I think, now. Yeah. He, he can hit. He's, he can hit. Like, I don't, I don't Maybe know. not the right guy. He might not be in the true. right part of the field, Very but he true. can hit. He doesn't really, like, get off blocks. Like, I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan. We should mention Jacoby Stevens of safety out of LSU. He tested mm-hmm. off the charts. Um, you know, that the LSU pro day was the one where like everyone won a four, ran a four, three, nine. Fastest team in history. Apparently that even though they won I, what, like two games this year, Penn state I, has something to say about that. I, <laughs> yes. I put on the tape. I, I assume those numbers are confusing them with some other player. Uh, like he is not a fast player. Um, he he doesn't even look the part. Like his his like hips are too wide for a safety. Um, you know, not not trying to slander the kid. Sean Wade, if he was in this group, where would he fall? Ooh, that's oh, a really good question. Yeah, he's up there to me. Honestly, is JOK in this equation? <laughs> yes. He's the, our top safety. We've established this already. Oh, well, no, I know, but I meant in this oh, also. You need and... For the math, for the math. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. I like it. I like it. Then he's three for me. Wow. I mean, oh. look, after the top three, he definitely enters the conversation. I, I absolutely take Javon, Javon Halland. I would or, take yeah, Mary. Well, maybe I Ford. would take okay. Grant. Because I he's still right like there, more. Yeah. Uh, those are all conversations to me. It it he's a conversation with Wiggins. He's a conversation with Hufanga, Johnson, and Nazardine. Depending on what I need, yeah, he'd be ahead of Derek Forrest. Depending on what I need, he'd be ahead of Joshua Bledsoe, but not an automatic. And that you know, and they kind of fill the same need. But you know, as a safety, that means Sean's got to start. You know, he can't just be crappy in coverage. Uh, he's got to tackle and be physical as well. Yeah, I've seen too tough. much Sean Wade. I I, <laughs> I just can't buy in, man. It's beyond prospect fatigue. Like, it's... We've seen the bad tape, and we can't put it out of our mind. We've seen the good yeah. tape, too, though, is the thing. Like, he does have these moments where you see it, and you're like, oh, I kind of get it now. The problem is it's just not, but that's all these guys. You know what I mean? It's, it's few and far between like if if five years from now, Sean Wade ended up, you know, being like a multi pro bowler, I'd be like, 
shit, I guess it's not that shocking based on the safety class they came out. I'd be out a bit shocked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, it might be a little shocking. Um, <laughs> well, that's the safety class for you guys. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a need there for the Broncos. I just don't think it's the year to strike. Unless you roll the dice and you find someone who Fangio approves of, fits a specific need. I mean, I'll always say later I can live with it. Anything before that's a mistake. I I will keep saying I think Holland is a Vic Fangio type. And be a nice JOK consolation prize. You can't get him. Forty one though. JOK. I would, but maybe he drops. You could if drop he drops, to like I, if he, if, okay. If Holland drops to sixty-five, that's a I can live with that. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, but I, I can, mean, I could live with that. He's an opt-out. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of these opt-out guys just kind of take a drop down the draft board for or maybe go higher than we think though you know what i mean maybe too, one yeah. gm's just in love with yeah. them and it's like i don't care that he didn't play in a weird COVID season i have no I idea what to it's expect. it's more likely though that they get knocked because and not for any like silly discriminatory reason it's exactly what you were Less saying fun. about richie grant yeah like dude that's huge being able to rely on a guy who has all that i mean it's in stacking my board, I've had a huge problem with ranking Creed Humphrey, for example, the All-American center out of Oklahoma, um, because there are very few first-round grades in this class, and Humphrey, to me, is the definition of a first-round grade. And yeah, he's not the most powerful. He's not position or scheme versatile. But those are reasons why he's not a Hall of Fame grade or a tier two grade, which is a top 10 at your position, basically means you'll never hit free agency. You'll just be franchise tag. Um, He's tier three, first round grade. But a lot of these guys don't check off enough boxes to be first round grades. So Creed Humphrey is going to be ranked ahead of a lot of guys who I like better than Creed Humphrey. But the grading skill just is what it is. Like, you know, there I can't cut any more corners. Um, and I think NFL teams will be faced with a lot of those similar dilemmas this year. How with that, for you if you're a GM right now where and you're like, this is a, a make or break year for you? And this this is the draft class that's going to decide whether you keep your job or not? Especially if you're drafting like outside of the top eight, you know, or yeah. seven. Um Let's take our final break. We've got a fun question, and we'll get out of here. Let's take that final break. And, oh, and uh, support for DMVR is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer just for DMVR listeners. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code DNVR at manscaped.com. Um, we've been hooked up with some awesome tools and formulations from their perfect package 3.0. It's really good stuff. Um, they can solve whatever problem you're having, whether you're like just looking for a trimmer, they have like ball deodorant. They have so many different products, definitely something, uh, that, that you will be happy with if you go check them out. Um, 
Lawnmower 3.0 is their trimmer. It's uh, obviously the third generation of that trimmer. It features a cutting edge ceramic blade, which reduces grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Um, in addition, this trimmer comes with an LED light for more precise shave, and it's waterproof to make your shower shave clean and easy. Uh, as I said, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code DMVR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code DMVR. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. What's up? Yep. Nice. Nice. Love it. Um, okay. One question from our guy, Kevin J. Hey, gents. Do you think, who do you think stands out outside of Kyle Pitts against draft classes in the last 10 years? Primarily, but of course not limited to how do the cornerbacks land with the likes of Stefan Gilmore, Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward, and Jeff Okuda. Name a few. Thanks, y'all, and I appreciate all the hard work heading towards the drafts. Okay, so with the mention of these top corners, Kyle Pitts, with a focus on the corners, but also like in general, who are the guys that really stand out as like special, not just in an odd draft class year like this one, but in kind of a, a unanimous year. Um, I think we can start with this year with Penny Sewell. That's that's one. still one to me. It's a big one for sure. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence obviously stands out, you know. Yeah. Um, he's as highly as I've ever graded a quarterback um, just because his raw tools are off the charts. He's done it for several years, instant success, um, big games and big moments, that kind of stuff, you know? Um, and yeah, I think I, I'll take this wide receiver class and stack it against any, I tell you what else, uh, you know, I just said it about Creed Humphrey there, this interior O-line class, and a lot of it comes down to, you know, do you think Slater, Vera Tucker, Tevin Jenkins, all these dudes with the crocodile arms in this class are guards, which they are. Um, or if, you know, you're in denial and you think they're tackles, this interior offensive line class is insanely good. And, you know, that's just the top. You're not even getting into the Quinn Moritz of the world who I mispronounced that, um, you know, Brown, the massive dude out of Alabama, Ben Cleveland. There is talent across the board. Um, and then for the corners, I had I I had an elite grade on Marshawn Lattimore. I had a top 10 grade on Okuda. Denzel Ward, I didn't believe in. He didn't even make a first-round grade. Gilmore, um, I think, was a first-rounder. Um, I only have one first-round grade at corner this year, and that's Patrick Sertain. What about Jalen Ramsey? Jalen Ramsey as a safety elite grade. And, oh. uh, but yeah, he, he, um, safety corners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Elite grade. Uh, he's a good one to include. Um, in that, you know, other standouts who I've given like elite grades to, um, definitely Joey Bosa. Um, Nick, I was scared off by the injury. So he's the next tier down. Um, I also didn't have, you know, enough production at a, at a high level because of that injury. Um, Malik Hooker's one of the elite grades that went wrong. Um, he had that ranginess at safety, Jake, 
that you were talking about a premier trait, probably the best I've studied. I studied, I started doing grades and stuff after old Thomas. Um, he just hasn't been healthy. And, uh, you know, I couldn't have seen that, but he is a guy at redshirt sophomore only started a year. I, I, I overdid it by giving him an elite grade. I didn't stick to my process. Um, what about Jamal Adams? Jamal Adams for me was just the first round grade. Huh. Yeah. You, the way he was going to be utilized, um, his true value moving backwards rather than, you know, I said, we overvalue downhill ability. Jamal Adams to me is kind of the definition. Um, That's fair. Teams have spent three first round picks on him. <laughs> That's crazy. I wonder, I wonder who like has the record there. Like most draft capital paid like over the course of their career, like starting with the draft pick, then going to the trades. Has anyone topped Herschel Walker? Oh, I mean, that's a good one. Well, Ricky Williams. That yeah. That's only yeah. one first rounder, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh. I wonder if Robert Woods is like sneaky. Was he, he got traded a bunch, right? I'm not uh, I think you're thinking of Cooks. Yeah, I was. I absolutely oh, was. Cooks. Those little guys. Cooks, yeah. I think three is... different times. It's gotta be up there. Two first, one second. Well, the, the Saints maybe. spent a first on a, to draft him too. Oh, right. That's a sneaky one. That is a what a weird one. game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, to go back to the question a bit, though, I think that maybe JOK could fit into like this kind of premier um, area we're talking about just because. I think that teams are kind of a little scared of drafting guys like that. I mean, you go back to last year, Isaiah Simmons, he was supposed to be the guy of these hybrid dudes. And again, just didn't really translate, but it seems like all these guys try that. We try and fit into these hybrid roles. They're more so safety first, and then they try and learn the linebacker. Whereas JOK plays linebacker and he's got safety traits. Um, so I like the it, distinction though. It is hard when you get so enamored of everything that they can do or how a player is utilized in their specific college scheme. But then, you know, you need those like anchor traits to allow you to not be a liability on like first and second down. Um, he's another one that I'm finding a hard time slapping a final grade on, you know. Mm hmm. Jeremy well, Chin, you're right. he could be. though, is a similar player to like, you know, Jeremy Chin's kind of that hybrid type of guy and, and things worked for him. Yeah. Didn't really get nearly the attention coming out of like Southern Illinois or whatever. And I don't know. Isaiah no, Simmons is definitely disappointed and that hurts. But that's the fear is like, I think the difference between those guys, you're a good comp. You're right. The difference isn't, in athleticism or traits, it's simply how they're how they're utilized. Hmm. So a well, yeah, prospect I mean, like that inherently has more risk when I grade it because I'm having to rely more on him going somewhere where they're like smart and figure out how to utilize them. Like it's, it's now point. it's now added another like risk factor that I don't have for a set and forget left tackle or quarterback or tight end you know like whatever yep. and um, even with the micah parsons who you know yeah. you say wow we really want him to be an inside linebacker he could be one of the best inside linebackers if everything pans 100%. out if not though put him outside and see what happens there's a fallback plan 
that is that is a nice quality of his but again i'm i'm scared off by like what is i am he? too yeah a uh, good point by the usage though dre because i mean i think we all saw or at least I, you and i talked about it when we saw that uh vance joseph was gonna put isaiah simmons as a linebacker instead of safety we were all kind of threw our heads back going what are you doing because it was it was obvious to me on film the guy needs to be playing further away from the football rather than closer I mean, he ran a 4-3 at the Combine, so a legit 4-3. <laughs> and I mean, Hank, you I, I'm sure on this pod you've broken down the snaps before that Isaiah Simmons. He played like over 200 snaps in the nickel, Jake. Mm-hmm. He played like over 100 snaps at corner, a pure outside corner. So yeah, he was a DB all the way. Um, and that's where, as a DB, that's why I think the JOK as a safety but he can rely on linebacker becomes intriguing um as a db that is where the versatility can be utilized more you know like as a linebacker you you still need to fulfill your duties Mm -hmm. (sighs) anyone else that jumps out to you guys is maybe like from this class or classes past um that fit in the special grade also you know, Caleb Farley is in a first round grade and no one's got beef on that with me. JC Horn. Uh, JC Horn more so than Farley, I think. Just because Farley's all upside at this it. point. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into it in the corner episode, but yeah. Um, yeah. But also parter. Patrick Sertain, I mean, he checks off all the boxes, basically. He's got the pedigree, has the production, guarded the best receivers in the country. Yep. I mean, he could fit right into this. Uh, what was it? Gilmore, Lattimore, Ward. I wouldn't put Okuda 100%. necessarily in that, but he could fit in there. I mean, talk about another guy that we're just kind of poking holes in his game just for the sake of it. Right, right. People and are I think picking him, man, they're just trying to find flaws with Sertain at this point. Yeah, it, I mean that's true, but the reason he's not graded as high as Marshawn Lattimore is, to me, Marshawn was like, oh snap. This is a well, pure number freaky, one corner. freaky athleticism too. Like well, yes. Lattimore, or I mean, like Sertain, it's not like he's not athletic. It's just not Very like athletic. when you watch at it, when you watch him, you're not like, oh my god, like. Well, but that's why I think he can be a very good number one corner. He'll make a ton of money. He might even be a top five corner. Is he going to be a shutdown number one corner? A, the huh. guy who like defines a generation of cornerbacks as like, yeah, that's that dude who could shut down one half of the field. To be fair, I don't think any of these guys are that, if if we're being completely honest. And I like Horn, and I like Farley, too. And that's not me throwing shade at them as an Alabama guy. I just don't think any of them are that, like, let's put him on Randy Moss and see how this goes. Yeah, Yeah, no. Also, we don't talk about this enough, but Patrick Sertain is still only 20. Good point. Just good to put that in perspective. Yeah. Is that correct? That feels like it shouldn't be right, but it is. Yeah. No. He's yeah, just been playing so long. He, he, is he, he generational now, Dre? Does that does that push him over the edge? No, I don't do that <laughs> based merely off age. But dang, oh. that's crazy. I wish Trevon Grimes didn't baptize him in that Florida yeah. game on a long bomb. I can't get that out of my GD. I think he man. wishes the same thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I should hope so. Sertain turns twenty-one next week, though. Ugh. Okay. Still young. I Still wasn't young. wrong. I wasn't wrong. But just you need to make sure I don't gross. forget to post this podcast. 
That is so young. <laughs> Gross. Oh my God. That's it's crazy. That. I didn't even realize he was that with, young just because I've been watching him for so long. With yeah. how high his floor is, how polished he is. It's crazy. That's one of those guys like Creed Humphrey. Um, and like the Bosa's, you get into bloodlines and why it matters. Exactly. And that's something I've learned more and more and more as I do this. It does. That gives you so much peace of mind. So much peace of mind. You could use that same argument for Horn, though. True. Yeah. True. I just he he, get, he gets baptized a lot more than just once he, against. He's risky. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. His risky. film, his film isn't that of certains, but that testing obviously is going to get somebody to fall in love with him. No, I mean he liked did C.J. Henderson, and I think I like his tape and physical traits better, anyways. And that's it's also, the ninth overall pick from last year. It's also crazy to me that Sertain is bigger than Horn. Like when you just like watch those two play separately and you were told like one of them is 6'2", 210 and the other's uh, six foot and a half and 205, I would I would have gotten that wrong. Which is fair, more of a me thing, fair. I guess, but. Fair. No, I'm there with you. I think Sertain's closer to 6'1", but. Official measurements a, over six, the two. years. I know, I know. I'm just there've been a lot of guys like that over <laughs> at Alabama over the years where it's like they're listed at 6'3, 290. And I'm like, he's 6'1, you know, Scouts have pro days but get those wrong all the time. It's yeah. why, like, from combine to pro day, it's like, what this guy's hand grew. It's like, you know, the dumbass scout who was in charge <laughs> just of that measured the pro day. <laughs> like, got it off by a quarter inch. Like, it's human error, folks. There's a lot of that going on around here, certainly in the scouting world. It's humans trying to handicap other humans. There is no more inexact science than that. And that's why it's fun to talk about every week with you boys. Um, we're going to have another one coming up in the weekend. We're just, then we've saved some of the best for last, you know, corner offensive tackle edge rushers. There are some fun, big need groups that we really get to dig into here coming up soon. So Thank you for tuning in. We will be back very soon. Stay tuned. Subscribe. Give us a like. Apple Podcasts. Do the whole thing. Thank you for the support. Catch you on the other side.